outside yeshivas. Okay. Particularly because they were, so, weren't okay. they for elite, you know, the Good big time, they got and the Iluyim, and in small towns, they seem to be far from most of Kali Israel. Okay. So, Moshe uh, asked the question how yeshivas impacted the communities if they were so distant and so on. And very good question, very good point. Its first impact was, A, it provided a certain homogenous uh, mindset for the Klee Kodesh. And we'll speak about it when we get to the In other words, in other words, when each town had its, when every Rav learned on his own, every, every place was its own place. But slowly, as the yeshivas began producing people that lived in communities, were Balabatim, most of them ended up somehow, there was a certain mindset and understanding of halacha in, in, in not as being a collection of minhagim and you could do this, do this, but a, a keen understanding of how things work, a kipaydin halacha, a certain mindset in terms of ashkafa, that began to disseminate. Lehavdul, just like ideas start in a university circle and then people write books about it and then then people talk about it and the ideas slowly infiltrate and overtake it was similar to that you you created people that had a certain common even before the muslim movement a certain common sense of things and that slowly began to um, to uh, overtake things and so on and um, i also wanted i forgot i wanted to recommend a book um, a fascinating book that was written it just came out about two years ago it's called Kitsur Chalamish or Kitsur Chalamish um, it was written by somebody named Bensin Kublianski Bensin Kublianski is of Litvish I, I don't know if he was born in Litter could, could be he was still born in Litter but his father certainly grew up in Litter and his grandfather was a Hashra person he himself is from he is a historian and he moonlights in the Shinbet I'm not sure which one moonlights and which one doesn't, but Akapanim, and he and he wrote a book, a historical work, on the yeshivas between the wars. It's it's as it's a pure, what's the right word for it? It's objective documentary. Fascinating. How many Talmudim each one had it every year? And when they started, when they broke up, when they returned, and specific issues in each place and um, the different um, the, 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 the different styles very very matter-of-fact documented it's, it's a generally it's positive with no it's 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 meant to be simply that it's amazingly good work by somebody who understood sort of understands where it's coming from and did his research so it's in Hebrew and if anybody wants to have something that's a great resource book he has it he has every fact and figure that there is and and gives very objective tracing of the facts and figures a really amazing work yeah you want to ask a question, question? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. what was the reason for a what was wrong with the old system Mitzvah Shemar will be in Belashen tomorrow, we'll speak about it. He put out a letter. It seemed as if 
old style where anybody that not believe not to learn would simply put himself into a base medish and learn himself, go to a big rug and learn and do personal type of shimush. He felt that that was going down the tubes. It was not happening. That's what he writes. Um, the, 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 the whole era of Reformation, you're talking about the end of the 1700s or late 1800s, the, the idea of different, different winds blowing started then. He doesn't mention that. So I would assume a the lack of it used to be that anyone who was of stature who was smart enough and driven enough would, would make Tomatera his life and he'd become a parosh was stopping and he needed to have a conglomeration of people together that, that seems to be from what he writes and from history what changes um, the, the yeshiva world um, going back further we had yeshivas. Uh, Talmud Bavli was uh, there was yeshivas for hundreds of years. When did it stop? Why? And what difference with that system and the new the new yeshiva system? So, so it's oh, it, I mean, it's different periods of times. The, the yeshivas that we had in the famous three yeshivas in, in um, we'll call it the West. North, Northwest Africa, Maghreb, um, and in Iraq, were sort of conglomerations of the big Talmud Chachamim. They, they were more than what we call the yeshiva today. They were kind of the pillars of the community as well. And um, they were covered the minhagim and so on. We don't know all that much about those yeshivas. And all we know is that when things started in Europe, when life started coming in. Ashkenaz Europe and in Spain for that matter, we don't have records of real yeshivas. We have yeshivas, like I said, the Marshal, for instance, Marshal. They, they, it was personal yeshivas. People came there and, and he had told me that. But, but it's changed and, and it sort of dissipated. And I guess our high Belushan felt that that style is not going to work anymore. It, it depended very much on grassroots driven. Somebody had to want to come and learn by the marshal. Somebody had to come and want to learn by the marshal or wherever it was. Um, you, but in, and this was, I guess, falling apart, not happening anymore, and that's why that's why he made the lashon. Five kehillas, a 
thousand kilos, it's meaningless. If I don't like what they do in one show, I go to the other show. If they don't like what they do there, I make my own show. And it became in New York. You can't. None of the Kahila things. A Besden is a meaningless entity in New York unless both sides are committed totally to keeping them stuck. Because what sanction are you going to bring somebody? You're not going to let them down in bubble and go to bubble 45. Now that I go to 45, Dalvin will dive in bubble 54. I'll make his own bubble. What, what's the difference? So, 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 so one, with the, with the coming of big cities, two, if a community needed a clear distinction between the Rav was a big Talmud Chacham and everybody else was not at all. When, when yeshivas, once people became more educated, the, the years are covered for the Rav, the distance became less. And the male the sense of Yira was was much less. America, where the sense the sense of central authority is much less. You grow up on a diet of we don't listen to what the king tells us. Everybody makes a decision. That 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 mentally and culturally makes tremendous inroads on a Kehillah system. It also means people live with Amaratsis. There's no difference to him. Between singing at the to saying Krishna, both of them are, are on the are on the agenda. He has no way of being mafchim between Tafel, Iker, and so on. It's the, the Rav says you have to sit in your seat. Then the Yigdal, so I guess Yigdal is important. And the Rav says you have to come for Krishna. I guess Krishna is important. But 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 it, but it, but they have no internal sense of things. World War One destroyed the Kehillas and because they became disbanded. Sephardi Jews, when they came back to Israel, they had no Kehillah left. And that's where Kehillahs suffer terribly. The advantage is for day-to-day life of from people who are not sitting in Kolo, Kehillahs are indispensable. And on the other hand, they, they, they're not alone enough to, to run something. Hasidus, the advantage is A, the intense emotional attachment. Emotional attachment is very, very strong. It offers a perspective on life that goes beyond the Kailu years and Yeshiva years. It offers a very cohesive community that transcends geography. So, so, uh, and they can do things with that. Gary Rebbe, all the Dailan, quote-unquote, said everybody should leave your shalim back to expense and it should move out. So there's plenty of Kokaris printed, and articles written and nobody moved out. Gary Rebbe decided he should move out. A guy came in and said, he became a chassan, Rebbe said, Mazel Tov, you're living in Ashdod. Second guy walked in, I'm a chassan, Mazel Tov, you're living in Arad. Third guy was living in Hatsor, and, and so on, and that was, and that, that's how it started. You, you don't have that cohesiveness and strength. The flip side of it is, there's no drive to become a personal goal. There's no drive to realize yourself in, in, in learning. It's, it's you know, even if you're very bright and you have the ability to there's there is less of respect. I was once sitting at a Carolina Tish, my brother was sitting at a Carolina Tish, and um, what's his name was sitting there, the, 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 the Rebbe was sitting there, the Rebbe was older 16 years old at the time. And next to him was sitting at Markowitz, who was in his 80s and Rosh Shiva Karlin. And my brother has one chassan. He said, "Zugme, says Zugme." The one sitting next to Rebbe, he's the Markovitz guy. Um, there was a certain lack of um, looking up to uh, a Talmud Chacham. 
of in a, in a negative way, just that was the Mitzias. And Bemele you had um, and Bemele you had a lack of push for that. You also began to become counterproductive. With all due respect, when Satma has 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 Hasidim, so technically the Rebbe is aware of what everyone is doing all the time, but that's very technical. Um, in, in Ger, they have it divided with Commandanten. But again, once people don't feel the personal cashier of the Rebbe, at some point the numbers become impossible. Chabad was the anomaly, because the Rebbe can do it every one of the hundred thousand Hasidim are doing at any time. So, um, so you still had that, but there was a tremendous push to have that figure, you know, I mean, it was a very, very central part of Hasidus. So Bimela, when the numbers became very big, you had that, and also emotional intensity becomes watered down. At the end of the day, the Tish also becomes Mrs. Nashville Mother. The Shiva system has its tremendous mila up and down people individually, with an understanding of what they're doing. It gives people something they can engage in totally. In, in, in many ways, as, as a full-time, you can, you can have an emotional high at a tish, you can have an emotional high at a kessa, when you're singing Kedushas Kessa, on Rosh Hashanah Kippur. You can have emotional high in Cheshvin, and in, and, and in Shvat, and in all these places. It's, it's the day-to-day learning activity it's, it's only shaykh through learning. Those are its strengths. Um, it it definitely builds people who, you know, are supposed to use their seichel and das to, to decide things. Their flip side is, once you leave Kolo, there's a, a, a tremendous gap. You either feel that you're a failure, or you feel that, you know, you, it hasn't given you tools to meet life. It has its problems. The type of lifestyle you, you, you have in yeshiva, it's, it's the, everything about it, when you dive in, the homies you do, and so on, don't have much shaykhis with day-to-day activities. So it might be an extremely very good preparatory. It's like the difference between somebody who studies by apprenticeship, like the good old days, you became a doctor, but becoming an apprentice to a doctor, versus somebody who goes to university. So, it's very good when you have the strong theoretical understanding, but you can't go straight from university to practice on a patient. You need a lot of inter- internship. It, the yeshiva, it, 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 there's a big gap between the yeshiva, its world and its mentality, and, and the practical day-to-day life that, that affects most people. So, 
twice a year and before Yom Kippur, Tzogidalias and Tisha B'Av for people to go to the Beis on both sides to visit their relatives and people could, uh, could meet and there were jokes about the incredible mortality rate there were a hundred people buried in the cemetery and about fifty thousand Kroyevim coming <laughs> uh, you know it, it was one of the, it was one of those famous jokes people would have to smuggle in my father remembers people in Slavotka who were never sh- were not sure if they would ever again see their parents so anyone learning in the Litvish was proper either had, came from Lita I believe most didn't come from there and, and everyone had to find a way you could go in through a third country you could smuggle the border which was common practice a little bit on the risky side but it was still there and th- that, that was part of the tragedy that the Shivas um, became uh, cut off from, from where the most of the Jews were living actually was 
farms and for, for, for the for the for Dacha and they would have milk and eggs. In those days, if you lived on a farm, you had a lot of food and good food. If you lived in the city, you had black bread and, uh, and sacred. It really, you know, it, it, it bringing stuff to a city wasn't easy. So, so people, it was it was very common. Everybody went out, sun, fresh air, and so on. That, so that was that was where it was. It was going for Dutch. It wasn't made as money as much as people needed to, to, to get a little fresh air and stuff. answer is to is the languages if you go back a thousand years and you go to the origin of each country's language you can see a connection between the two for example ukrainian polish and belarusian the three countries are next to each other are very similar and even though for hundreds of years uh, the ukrainians were dominated by the poles the whole story that we're going to at some point have to say about the takhvatat when khmelnytsky wants uh, Ukraine to be Ukraine again and they go and fight the Poles but these, th these three languages are very similar. So the Belarusian language was, was spoken by the people in the area of Belarus um, which is the culture of these people as opposed to the going north over the border to Lithuania where the Lithuanian language which is very different and they hold themselves as being a very different people but saying that these countries for the majority of, of time were either uh, Poland and then Russia and and they, there was this um, what what something that I would maybe focus on a bit more was to understand the amount of Yidden living in these countries and the the, the towns around us that dominantly were 50% sometimes more sometimes less Jewish and the feeling that the 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 the, the feeling that the Jews had together with the Poles, together with the Lithuanians, because the, the, the Poles for, for hundreds of years felt that they were, they'd been invaded by Russia and they were living in Poland, but they weren't in charge of their country. So you had this collaboration, this mutual respect, this mutual feeling between the Poles and the Jews that they are, they are being dominated by the Tsar and they're, they're, in the same, they're in the same crisis. That's why after the First World War, when Poland becomes Poland again, and in cities, especially cities like Warsaw, which was a third Jewish, there's um, there's this very strange, you know, the, on the one hand, the Poles are anti-Semitic and it's in their nature to hate us. On the other hand, 
we were in this together and, and we fought together for independence, um, which is adds to the complexity of, of the area. But, but the question was, Belarus, where does Belarus come from? It goes back to the tribes and the language. When the language of Belarusian came about, which is still active today, the second language in the country, every uh, school child learns Belarusian and most of the people in the villages, they speak Belarusian. But most of the people in this country um, understand this dialect, which is very similar to Polish, that, that defines uh, Belarusian as opposed to Lithuanian and Ukrainian.